what I can say after the first week is that normally I have these episodes finished by Thursday morning. Then we record in a rush on Thursday night and I spend Friday morning from like 5am editing the thing to make sure it goes out. It's always a rush is what I'm Mm. saying. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's Monday and I was focused and I sat down to write the episode and I wrote it and I didn't get distracted by football on TV and I didn't get distracted by Twitter and I was able to continue and get it done. I mean, I was shocked, to be honest, that you asked me to do this on a Monday. Yeah. So something's working. And I'm happy to say that the only thing I've changed in terms of my routines is starting to drink this Magic Mind every morning. And I think it may be the lion's mane mushroom, because I've heard good things about that in terms of improving your your focus and your cognition. Sounds are good so far. And what I will do is I will put a link to their website for Magic Mind at the bottom. And then if other people want to try and see if it can give them three days extra editing time when they're doing their podcasts, there's no podcaster who wouldn't love three extra days of editing time. We've almost got time to record two in a week. And I've already half written another episode. This is what I'm saying. However, mm. it may be because of another American who actually gave me the full idea for this episode. So... You know, the structure was pretty much already there for me. So the Americans are doing it for the, the British podcast. The Americans are doing it for me. So this podcast idea came from Pamela Lotterley, who's from New York, and got in touch to give, give me a load of episode ideas. And this one, as soon as I started reading about it, it's a bit nerdy, but it's wonderful. So do we know if it's New York State or New York City? I don't, but she also spends time in Scotland. So oh, she's, wonderful. Um, dual citizenship. Wonderful. She'll be not too far away from you in April, actually. She's she's up just north of Edim, uh, up north of Glasgow, I believe. And if you want to check her out on Instagram, it's um, porters underscore rest. And she does a, a history Instagram there. So she's she's one of us. Hi. Yeah. And we'll we'll see if... If I do justice to the topic that, that she's chosen for I us to do today. get a little bit nervous now that people are writing in and... Uh, suggesting topics. Do suggesting it, topics. Don't, don't do it wrong, otherwise I'll cry. <sighs> no. Yeah. Pamela seems very much happy with the way we do things. She likes the podcast the way it is. I don't think she wants us to change it. So we. I don't... I, to be fair, I don't do much. I'm just... The, I'm the sounding board at the other end of and the a microphone. A fine sounding board you are. Hey up. I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser-known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with... This story begins in 55 BC, or BCE, if you don't want to get religious about it. Hmm, that's very early. It is, because that was when the Romans first made it to Britain in significant numbers under Julius Caesar. Yeah. Now, although the first two attempts to invade didn't quite work out, they didn't make it stick. In CE 43, an occupying Roman force of around 40,000 men, if you take the top estimate at least, sailed across the Channel on the orders of the Emperor Claudius and managed to finally gain some territory in Kent. And if you want more information about the Roman invasion and how they managed it, uh, including the elephants that they brought over, because they were going full shock and awe. I mean, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. 
Never seen an elephant before. Yeah, what is that? Eight of them marching ah. towards your village. You're like, yeah, we'll just surrender. Uh, because I don't know what the f- that is, but it looks angry. I think it must be really hard to invade a country, like, pre-machinery. Yes and no, because, I mean, the Romans really were a machine in and of themselves, weren't they? Mm-hmm. They were so structured, they were so efficient in the way that they did things. Which is ironic now, because they can't even build cars that last... But more they're than beautiful. A day. They're achingly beautiful. I mean, they are. Mm. So, I mean, what would you rather? Would you rather have a work of art that was a bit temperamental, <laughs> or a Honda Jazz? It's you just describe many people that I know. <laughs> work of art, but a bit yeah. temperamental. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, if you want to hear more about that invasion, we did cover it in an episode we did on Caractacus. It was episode number twenty. So the production levels may be a bit shonky. That wasn't me, was it? No, that was with M. Um, okay. But that was back in 2020. We've learned a lot since then. Back in dear. Anyway, over the next 40 years after they they managed to get some territory in Kent, they established um, more and more control through an extended military campaign until eventually they had most of Britain. I mean, sure, there were some outliers um, around Wales and, of course, they never were stupid enough to take on the Highlands. No. Well, not until Agricola came along anyway. But yeah, they they just went, we'll just stop <laughs> Absolutely there. Absolutely not, yeah. <laughs> you know, risk versus reward, once you get past that line... Done. Yeah, that we'll just call that the edge of the world and be done. Go home. Yeah, yeah. good, good. Now, the new Roman ruling class will bring quite a few new ideas to the native British peoples over the course of the occupation. But one of the most significant will be a brand new concept in regards to how time was measured. Mm -hmm. Because upon the arrival of the Romans, the people of Britain were measuring time not by days, but by nights. Meaning that a new day in uh, Celtic Britain would start at dusk rather than at dawn. Oh, that's interesting. hmm? I didn't know that. It's where the term fortnight comes from. That's the one sort of remnant of it, that a two-week period is known as a fortnight. Because yeah, I did wonder. Well, it is an odd term. It is an odd term, and it doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of the language. But it's it's a throwback to to that sort of way of measuring from from dusk till dusk, rather than from dawn till dawn. Hmm. In terms of calculating the relative time within a year, this made lots of sense as the most accurate way of figuring out where you were in terms of seasons, in terms of you know the day of the year, was to measure the position of the stars in the night sky. So the the map that gave you your point within any calendar year was better measured at night anyway. So the night seemed more important for telling time, therefore you'd start time-telling at night rather than during the day. Yeah, I I see the logic. And they got really, really good at it, did the Celts. In fact, as an example of how accurate they could be in their astronomical calculations, there is a burial passage in Newgrange in Ireland that was designed over 5,000 years ago. And it was designed so that sunlight only enters a special opening called a roof box at dawn on the winter solstice each year, sending a single beam of light the length of the passage and into the main chamber. How? That is incredible. I mean, it it kind of gets in the day before and the day after, but really, they've managed to design this thing that light only penetrates it on three days of the year. The thing is, that must have taken a while to design. Like, yeah. you, you're going to have to do a f- few 
cycles, aren't you? Before Massive. you know exactly where it's going to... I think it was more they had that understanding. Or the they, calcul- knew they could calculate it. it. And they said, right, we'll do it. Either that or at dawn on the winter solstice, someone just started digging a hole really quick. <laughs> like, no, go, 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 go. It was just potluck. Yeah. Um, the alignment lasts for approximately 17 minutes. And you can witness this yourself on any December the 20th, 21st and 22nd. However, to get the best seats, you will have to win a place in a lottery which takes place in September of each year. So you've got to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. But it is so popular being able to witness this feat that people will buy a lottery ticket in September so that they can get up before dawn, let's face it, on a wet morning in Ireland. Oh, yeah. To go into this chamber in the hopes that it's a clear sky. How big is the chamber? How many people can get in there? It's quite a long one. I would imagine you'd be able to get maybe... 30, 40 people in. Yeah, but I can imagine that's not a lot in comparison to the people, the the amount of people. You can watch it from outside as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, there are sort of worse seats, but if you want those primo ones, you've got to go to the lottery. Yeah, you want the inner circle. But like I say, it's a crapshoot. It's a cloudy day. You've you've done that. You've made the trip and it's rubbish. I once, uh, when I was in Australia, there's a mountain called Mount Mm. Warning. And it's apparently the first place in Australia that the sun hits. Okay. So we climbed it. Yeah. Stayed, weren't supposed to, slept on the peak. I slept on a bench. <laughs> I woke up to a possum on my face. It was oh, very, very traumatic. Nice. And anyway, once dawn arrived, we got up and it was covered in cloud. Oh. So all that happened was the clouds slowly got slightly whiter and fluffier. We absolutely wasted journey. But, you know... You pays your money, you takes your chance, don't you? Yeah. Mm. For Celtic people, calendars were organised in accordance with phases of the moon. This meant that each month started with a full moon and was made up of either 29 or 30 days, split into two fortnights rather than weeks. Okay. That's not too dissimilar to what we do now. But I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that if all of them are just 29 or 30 days, that's not going to be enough days to fill a full year. Was the year different? It was, indeed, because the Celts ran their calendar over a five-year cycle, and every two and a half years, they'd add in an extra month of varying length to ensure that everything stayed in sync. So every now and then, they'd just chuck in a month. So how many months would there be in a year? So a year, their year is a five-year period to us. Well, they had years, but each set of years had a five-year cycle because they knew that every two and a half years they'd have to kind of make things right again by adding in an extra month okay, in order to keep up with the lunar cycle. Yeah. So they, their workaround was, right, we know it's going to move out of whack, but we're going to have these standardised points twice during each five-year cycle where we're just going to add in an extra month. Okay. And we'll decide at the time how long that month needs to be in order for everything to sync up again. Right. And then we'll just carry on. And then we'll take... Can you take that month away again the following year? Well, yeah, it, you just... It's additional, and then it's a one-off sort of thing, and then two and a half what years What about later. if you were born in that section? I don't know that birthdays held the same importance No, they then, probably but didn't. it's a good question. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're born during one of the extra months, so you're going to have to wait two and a half years. I guess it's the same as someone who's born on a leap year. Don't you, know, you, have, the, to choo- don't you have to choose a day? No. I'm pretty sh- it normally just moves back to the 28th. We'll get into that anyway. Oh, okay. Fine. I don't know if you can see where we're going with this story yet, but... We'll definitely be talking about leap years. We don't know what this extra month was called, sadly. But 
we do know the names of some of the regular 12 months that the lunar calendar had. Would you like to know some of the names? I would, yes. Good. The months included Rivros, which roughly translates to Fat Month. Are you doing this in order? No. Okay. I'm doing it in comedic order. Okay, fine. So, Rivros, the Fat Month. After the Fat Month, we have Anganito. The Fin Month. Sorry, Angatio, the month of ritual ablutions. Okay, I don't even know what that means. Fine. Uh, ablutions are your, your bodily um, doings. Oh. <laughs> that one was followed by Domanius, which was the month of fumigations, which is normally what happens after a month of ablutions. They you do need it. a month of fumigations. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and finally, Cantlos. Which was the month of chanting. So there's only four? No, these are just four, four examples. Oh, right. Some were just, you know, the cold month or the, the month of summer. The bleak month. Yeah. There was, a, there was one that was like, essentially, it'd be cold, yo. I've got a question for you. Yep. What do you feel is the worst month in the year? The worst month in the year? Yeah. Hmm. Probably... Probably January. Yeah, it's the same for yeah. me. I hate it. I, I hate the optimism. I hate how poor I am. I hate the fact that you always think, oh, we're nearly out of winter, and then February hits like a sledgehammer. It's that boom, yeah. yeah. It, it's not a good month. No. I think if we just started in February, we'd all be a lot happier. Yeah. Or March. Or April. <laughs> but let's just scrap it. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to do any of the winter months. I want to be straight into full spring. I don't want to be faffing around. Let's just get to April, full spring. Spring and autumn. Mm. Yeah, fine. What I'm trying to say though is that the overall system that they worked out it was intricate. It was actually quite impressive, but it was also a bit complicated. I, yeah. Initially, the Romans had used a calendar with much less focus than the Celts. The original Roman calendar, which was supposedly created by Romulus himself, he of wolf-nipple-sucking fame, initially consisted of 10 months of 29 or 30 days. Okay. There would then be just an unassigned period of time over winter until a new calendar started. Okay. (laughs) So so they were very clinical about telling time until they hit winter, and then they were just like, meh. I have always wondered why... It's too cold for me to go out and check. I will get back to you Yeah. on that wh- one. Like, why is everything done in, like, 12? I think it is, it is that lunar base. Like, 12 you know. months, 12 hours. Why is there 60 seconds in a minute? I can't get into those ones, but I... Baffling. Be- <clears throat> I believe that it, it starts with that base of, you know we're going to follow the lunar cycle and then we're splitting that down and that came the different... I want everything to be in tens. I think you'll have a job convincing people to go to a base ten system of um, working out because we know that it's 365 and change days in a year. Yeah, okay, fine. So you can't base ten that, unfortunately. I I know it would be easier. It would be. As with everything, base ten is a, a better system, but no... We can't make the moon unless we move the moon. I suppose that if we moved it closer or slightly further away, then we could sort it. We could possibly sort it that way, but that seems mm-hmm. like a hell of a lot of effort. Yeah, it does. We've got a system that works well enough. 
Yeah. Unlike this first Roman system, which was an absolute shit show. <laughs> You've got ten months and then... <laughs> Do what you want, I'll yeah. get back to you when I'm ready. <laughs> Out of office, on. Eventually they did extend the calendar to contain 12 months, but even so, it was still 10 to 11 days short of covering the whole year. They fell into the same problem as the Celts. Yeah. However, the workaround that the Romans came up with was a complicated system of adding additional months and sometimes individual days in an ad hoc fashion to keep everything ticking along in relatively the right place each year. Yeah. It was so complicated, though, that the people in charge didn't always remember to authorise the extra days. So it was reliant on the consuls and the people in charge to to decide when things were going to be added in. And sometimes those people who had that responsibility might be away fighting a war. They might be involved in something else that takes up their time. And in that case, the new days just didn't get added in. And it was like, oh, well, the next consul next year will have to sort that out. I wonder if it was like pre-planned, though. Mm. Like, in... Do you know what I mean? Like, you know we get our calendars mm. out in December for the year. I think it was a case of we're going to pre-plan it, but the people who had to give the sign-off weren't always there. Right. And if they weren't there, because of the way the Roman system was set up, you know, with the power coming down from the top yeah. and it all had to be checked and, and done in the right way, if that person hadn't signed it off, those those extra days couldn't be put in, even if everybody knew that they were needed. Hmm. And it'd just be, okay, next year we're really going to have to get on top of this thing, guys, because... That must have been so hard to... To do. Well, it got yeah. harder and harder, because I'm guessing it's much harder to add in a huge chunk of days than it is just the odd day. Hmm. But eventually, the calendar drifted to the point that they were out by an entire season in 190 BCE. <laughs> so they were... they were, Just missed a season. Yeah. Well, they, they hadn't added in the day, so they were in summer... And they were still doing spring in terms oh. of their calendar. And it's like, everyone's going, what, what, what do you mean it's the first day of spring? I'm on the beach. <laughs> what the fuck is this? It's glorious, yeah. yeah. Get it sorted. Uh, and even though they tried their best, they were still two months off in uh, 168 uh, BCE. So trying to claw it back was taking decades to just try and get it back to an even keel. Sounds if you imagine it's a work. bit like um, the Bank of England with the interest rate at the moment. Couldn't you just like, stop it and start again? Funny you should say that, actually. Because couldn't you just stop it and start it again? Surely you could. Well, what you'd need to do that is you'd need somebody with the vision to say, rather than try and fix this thing, let's just scrap it. Start again. Let's come up with something else. And I don't know, maybe we could um, name one of the months after me. Maybe that's something we could do. You know, in honour of the fact that I, I, I sorted shit out for you. Yeah. So, anyway, by the time of Julius Caesar, the calendar was again so out of whack that he decided he was the man to overhaul the entire thing. Julius. July? Yep. <gasps> yes. He came up with a new system, making it a 12-month, 365-day-a-year calendar with a leap year, uh, a leap day added once every four years to make up the difference. So it's like, this is what we're doing, guys. That's maths right Boom, there. boom, boom. We're going to make this work. Yeah. No I more of this know, faffing about. July was named after Julius Caesar. So he got, a, he got a month named after him based on, you know, I mean, if you come up with the system. It's also known as the Julian calendar um, mm. because he was great at branding. You've got to give him that. Yeah, of course. It didn't work out too well for him in the end. But up until that, he was doing a smashing job. He was doing great. Yeah. I'm not going to say he was doing this completely selflessly. 
you know, as a favour to Rome because it did just so happen that in order to introduce the changes he felt that everyone needed, uh, the year that it was put in place was extended to be 446 days long to make up the difference. Okay. And that just so happened to be the year of his third consuls, his third consulship. <laughs> so he got a little bit of extra time. So the terms are a year in length, and he just so happened to be consul at a time when the year had to be almost a, th- a full third longer again. Fair. Oh, what are we going to do, guys? What a shame. It was one of the first signs that maybe he didn't like giving up power once he had it. No. No. I think it must be really hard once you've got into... Th- that position mm. of authority and power and then all of a sudden someone's like hmm i don't think you should have this you're like mm, yeah but, but i think I that's why to... they limited it to a year it was yeah. like so you get a year and then it the cycle runs around and you can go back and do another year but you're never there so long or the the idea was you'd well, never that's be the whole so idea longer. with like the president president pres- i can't say it presidency you can say it look at that Presidency of the United States, yes, but it wasn't always a two-term limit because no. um, was it? We don't have that here, do we? You can have as many terms as you like here. Yeah, yeah, until we get sick of you, yeah. or you die. Because Thatcher was in for fucking ever, weren't she? It just felt that way, apparently. Uh, Luckily, we didn't really. I mean, we were born, we were alive. Yeah, yeah. we were alive during the Thatcher years, but I, I wasn't really conscious of a prime minister until John Major. No, I remember John Major, mm. and then. Blair, and then Brown. Everything, yeah, and then and everything then went Cameron. Who else? Cameron. And then Theresa May. Theresa May, then Boris Johnson. We're not even counting Liz Truss. Then Liz, and then Rishi. Oh, God. And then Anyone Kia, else, I'm guessing. I hope. And of course, because of when the Julian calendar was introduced, it was this simplified calendar that was put in place in Britain after the successful invasion, bringing the rainy little backwater on the edge of Europe into line (laughs) with the rest of the Roman Empire. I mean, it makes sense to all be under one umbrella. Oh, definitely. I mean, you could imagine how complicated things would be if you had two separate calendars running. Yeah. Mm. The Julian calendar was used across Europe for the next 1,600 years. However, there was a bit of an issue with the idea of having a leap year every four years. Okay. Because this actually overcompensates for the length of the solar year. And as a result, the calendar was shifting at the rate of 3.1 days every 400 years. Okay. That doesn't seem horrendous. It doesn't seem horrendous. And, you know, that amount of drift, it didn't really matter for the duration of the Roman Empire because Mm. it was barely noticeable. But by the 1580s, it was causing a massive issue for the Catholic Church and the sitting Pope of the time, Gregory Thirteenth. Gregory. Mm. Because although Easter is a movable feast, it is always calculated from the base date of March 21st, okay. which is the spring equinox. Mm-hmm. And if you're wondering what the spring equinox is, it's the day when practically everywhere on Earth gets 12 hours of sunlight. Because, you know, the, the tilt yeah. towards... It's basically flat... So everywhere's ah. getting... And then from the one side will be moving away uh, and moving into winter and the other will be moving into summer. But that's yeah. the, the, the tipping point, basically. Yeah. Because Easter is set as the first Sunday following the next full moon after the equinox. <laughs> it's not confusing, is it? 
This process of calculation is known as computus. Great word. Which I believe will be the the, um, origin of computer. I I really Uh, hope, otherwise it's one hell of a coincidence. I want that to be true. I I think it must be. Hmm. And if not, why not? Yeah, it is now. You heard it here first. I don't know how... I never knew how you calculated Easter. I knew that they calculated it. I didn't realise that you took the spring equinox, you added a full moon, and then you went to the Sunday. But that's what you do. Because it can be really dramatically different, can't Mm. it? And it's all based on the lunar cycle. Isn't it meant to be when Jesus was resurrected? Yes. But that date changes. And it would have been wrong anyway if it's a different calendar now. <gasps> no, no, because the Julian calendar was brought in before Jesus. Oh, okay, fine. Because that was um, BCE. So it was brought in before the resurrection happened. Didn't it shift again? I swear I saw on QI that it shifted. Well, let's see, shall we? Oh, tell me more. Because by the time Gregory and his assistants were in charge of the computers, the 10-day discrepancy that had built up was making it impossible to align Easter with the equinox. Because you've already got 10 days further on from the equinox yeah. before you hit March 21st because right. of that 10-day thing. So he couldn't make it work. And it was causing him all manner of stress, as you can imagine. You know, yeah. People come into him, Pope, when is Easter this year? And he's, I don't know. <laughs> Stop asking. <laughs> when I tell you. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, no one knows how they work out. He could just have picked any random you know, Sunday, late yeah, March but he would through have, April. He would have known. He, he would have yeah, known. Yeah, he'd have known. He was a perfectionist. Yeah. And he really was a perfectionist because he realised that he could correct the issues <sighs> that Julius Caesar, the idiot, had created. Yeah. All he had to do was make a very, very minor adjustment to Kill remove me. the extra three days that happened every 400 years. All he had to do was to decree that leap years would not take place on any centenary year unless it was a centenary year that was also divisible by 400. Okay. So basically, the years 100, 200, and 300 of any millennium don't get a leap, don't get year. A leap year. Similarly, 500, 600, 700. Is that still a thing? Yep. <gasps> that is the way of getting rid of those extra three days. Mm. So it's a really minor change. And it's one that I didn't know existed. I was of the opinion every four years is a leap year, but that's yeah, not I technically was as well. true. No, I didn't know that. I either. mean, I don't think it's ever going to matter to us. Because we won't hit that. Although the year 2000 should have been a leap year, but wouldn't have been. Hmm. No, because it is divisible, isn't it? Because 2000 will be div- divisible by 400. So, yeah. It will be 2,100 will be the next one that's going to be missed. We'll be dead. Hopefully. I do not want to be 113 years old. We will definitely be dead. I feel my bones would ache, (laughs) at the very least. You know, unless I could have that kind of Dick Van Dyke energy that he's still got and he's getting up towards his centenary. Then I'd be fine. I'd I'd like to still live, but Mm. I can't imagine 113 is a nice place to be. No. No. This was confirmed... His his new calculation via a papal bull called the Inter Gravissimas. Okay. Gravissimas. 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 Called the Inter Gravissimas. Probably, I cannot do Italian. 
<laughs> All I hope you used your hand there. I did actually. I was I was using I was gesticulating. The only thing left to do was to clean up the discrepancy that Dory built up. And he decided the easiest way to do that would be to ask every country that had been using the Julian calendar to just skip ten days forwards and use the new system from then on. Yeah. Which Gregory, like Julius Caesar before him, naturally named after himself as the Gregorian calendar. I've heard of this. Mm. It's because it's the calendar we use to this day. Mm. Naturally, and pretty appropriately, the first countries, first people to take this up, the Holy Roman Empire. Of course. Because if you can't get the Holy Roman Empire to use your new calendar as the Pope, you're pretty much dead in the water with the idea, yeah. aren't you? Uh, they agreed to jump from Thursday, October the 4th, 1582, to Friday, October the 15th, which I would have objected to very strongly. Because your birthday. Yeah, that would have absolutely screwed up my birthday. I would have been writing strongly worded letters to the Pope saying, can we just not... But then you would have just not aged a year that year. I would have aged a year. Wouldn't have got any presents. <laughs> That's the worst of both worlds. Fine. Spain and Portugal, they also changed in October, with France following in December. And by January yeah. 1584, all the Catholic countries had made the switch. So it's going well. About. You, you sense a but is coming, do you? There is a but. Who didn't do it? Britain didn't do it. Well, the Protestant countries, including mm. England, were not quite as keen. Yeah. Well, I say... The countries, the Anglican bishops, especially in England, uh, they were not keen with the no. idea of the change. And when Queen Elizabeth I brought up the idea of adopting the Gregorian calendar in order to be in step with most of the rest of Europe, you know, she went to them and said, wouldn't this be a good idea? We can all continue to know what day it is. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be no confusion. They responded by stating that Pope Gregory was, in fact, not a pope at all, but the fourth great beast of Daniel and a harbinger of the end times, as prophesied in the Bible. Fair. Because did they not say, and lo, he will come to you with a small calculation change that will allow us to follow the lunar cycle more accurately and not get in a tizzy over Easter. <laughs> and by that ye shall know he is the work of the beast who is the fallen, known as the Morning Star. To be fair, it's early days of Protestantism, so they're not going to listen to no, the Catholics. They're still they? the rebellious teenagers, like, you, you can't tell me what to do, Dad. Yeah. I don't have to listen to you anymore. Mm. We're going to keep our Julian calendar. Yeah, F you. Yeah, who cares? There are countries in the world that use different calendars to us, though, isn't there? Like North Korea use a completely different calendar. Mm. Um... So not everyone uses the same well, okay. days still. I will give it to you at the end, but how many countries do you think don't use... How many sort of recognised countries don't use the Gregorian calendar today? I think there's a, I reckon there'll be a handful at least. Go on, put a Five. number on it. Five. Five. Okay, we'll see how close you are okay. at the end. So remember, remember that number. Five, yeah. Five. The number is five. <laughs> Upon hearing the response of the Anglican bishops, Elizabeth decided it'd be too much hassle fighting them to get them on side, so she dropped the idea of calendar reform, probably assuming that either, you know, the next one in the line of succession would be able to turn them around to it. You know, it's like, it's not a problem I have to fight today. I've got other things on. 
yeah. you know i'm i'm a queen who's constantly beset by intrigue and threats Sugary of invasion snacks. and sugar and lead yeah. painted yeah. on my face i have enough problems mm. i'm not making you guys a problem so i'm just going to say fine fine we'll, we'll do it your way i just hope that the merchants who have to go over to europe aren't too pissed with us it must have been well confusing oh i imagine so many things were made just needlessly more complicated by not aligning ourselves with Europe. Well, even, like, time in the mm. UK wasn't aligned until the railways came along. No, I mean, there was a bit of drift, let's be fair. <laughs> so yeah. long as, as long as we got the right day, who cares? <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, sometimes in different places it could be, like, up to, like, a good couple of hours that was different. Yeah. But, again, it took you hours to get places, so... Mm. It, the amount of precision you need is sort of linked to the speed with which things can be done, I guess. Yeah. And once we hit the Victorian age and the age of steam, suddenly that precision needed to be upped. So we moved accordingly. You know, yeah. it's that path of least resistance. If we need, if we really need to be that accurate, we can be, but eh, until that, otherwise. Yeah, until that point declined. <laughs> and while Elizabeth probably thought that maybe the next king along or the next queen along would, would readdress the issue, the Stuarts didn't want anything to do with it. No. And it actually remained dropped for the next 180 years. As every time someone did bring up the idea of aligning with the rest of Europe, they would be denounced as Popish, Catholic sympathisers, and just distinctly un-English. It's like, what are, what are you doing? This is, so this is our patriotic this duty to stick to this system that we know Period of time, false. people yeah. were working from different calendars. Oh, yes. No. Okay. People were working from different... Well, we, as English, were working from different calendars. Just the English? Or were there other countries? Uh, other countries were slowly taking it up. Um, okay. So we were part of an ever-diminishing group um, of okay. European countries. So we were s- stubborn? No. <laughs> Don't you dare say that the English are stubborn. We're That's taking back our borders. Beyond. It does feel a bit, doesn't it? It's yeah. like everything goes in cycles. Yeah. <coughs> this has happened before, yeah. In 1750, we proposed a new Council of Europe solution um, called the European Union, and we wanted... No. In 1750, another attempt to get England to adopt the same calendar as the rest of Europe was made, and this time by a dynamic duo of go-getters who were not willing to take no for an answer. Guys with the gumption, with the impetus to get this finally done. They were George Parker, the second Earl of Macclesfield, a man who had given up his position as an MP in order to spend time making astronomical observations from his castle. Sherburne Castle, if you're interested. Great, yeah. So he's a man who's so disillusioned with politics. It's like, do you know what? I'm going to go to my castle and I'm going to look at the sky. (laughs) I'm going to have some deep thinking time. Yeah, because I don't need this hassle. And Philip Stanhope, the fourth Earl of Chesterfield, who had given up his role as Foreign Secretary in 1748 to focus on... More important things like reading more books and playing cards. I mean... These are the guys we're reliant on. That is quite important stuff. Mm. Their combined experiences meant that they could see that the Gregorian calendar was superior both from a scientific and factual point of view and in terms of international diplomacy. So they worked together to craft an argument that they felt would finally persuade MPs to make the switch. And they were allowed to do this because while they had both given up on being MPs, feeling it was too much of a hassle, they naturally both had a seat in the House of Lords by virtue of being earls. Yeah. 
So they were able to make the argument via the introduction of a private member's bill, which it, it seems so insane to me when you consider that the bill that they were introducing was going to make not one, but two massive changes to the calendar. It was known as the Calendar New Style Act that they were proposing. But the fact that it was a private member's bill that was going to change the way we told the time is just insane. Can they still do that in the House of Lords? You can introduce private members' bills, and often they're um, introduced for things that are felt to be um, around conscience and around morality. Okay. Um, and then you'll you'll be given an open vote to people. I mean, the vast majority never get to a vote. You know, they just get shouted down. But those that get through are kind of the ones around, well, the government doesn't want to have its hands on this. Does it have to go through the Commons as well? Yeah, yeah. It'll If it passes the, the readings, it'll go for a vote the way anything would but it's not a government proposed bill right. it would be a private member it would be this one guy's thing so things like i think the fox hunting one smacking kids was one i think yeah they're all things about questions of morality rather than um okay uh, things that the government would put in a manifesto yeah but i said two changes because they weren't just talking about you know following the gregorian calendar because although that was the first and most major one um <clears throat> although they were suggesting that we follow the gregorian calendar they were smart enough to get around the accusations of being um secret catholics by wording it not as we will adopt the gregorian calendar but we will adopt a revised calendar already in use across much of europe okay so by not using the term gregorian calendar they hoped that people would be able to accept it and did they yeah Pretty much. Secondly... Easy as that. (laughs) But the second part of the bill, (laughs) which I find amazing when I heard about this, because, you know, when this subject was given to me, it was like the switch from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. I was like, oh, my God, the fact that we didn't do it for so long, that's amazing. This second provision in the bill is probably more amazing to me. Go on. Considering I never knew about it. They were going to try and change when the new year started in England. Okay. You see, up until this point... I was going to say, you're going to tell me it's somewhere completely different to what it is now. I am definitely going to tell you that, because up until 1750, the new year in England officially began on March 25th, which was also known as Ladies' Day, because it was supposedly the day when Gabriel went to Mary to inform her that she was up the divine duff. (laughs) So it's known as Lady Day. In March? In March, March the 25th. Was when... So that means all historical records prior to this figure, if they were talking about like New Year's Eve, they weren't actually talking about January, they were talking they about March. They were talking March. about March the 24th, <sighs> yeah. Right. This was not only out of step with Europe, but it was also different to the Scots, who had adopted January the 1st in 1600, like oh, every gosh. right-minded person would. So, <laughs> of course, we'd take the first month of the year... Because the originally... Yeah, but was January always the first month of the year? Yeah, because December... 10 was always the last one because you've got the the 10 months that are named for you know 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 and then you've got Julius and Augustus thrown in there so you've got July and August so December is always the last month because it's the last number in the month so yeah it's not even like we we could make an argument for that we were just being <laughs> deliberately obtuse and going no it's March oh so you're starting on March the 1st no that's stu- March the 25th that's the first day of the year, as every right-minded Englishman Person knows. should know. God, God we're stubborn. No wonder 
things happen here. <laughs> it was so confusing, though, that most English documents would use a dual dating system to help avoid any costly mistakes caused by people getting the year wrong. Because if you said to somebody in England it happened in February and then, you know, 1624, that it would be a completely mean, different year yeah. to the February in in Spain or in France because they would have started in the January and gone, oh, that's the next year, but that would still be the old year in England. This so there'd be insane. a year's difference between the two. <laughs> insane. Imagine that, you know, you order something and because you put in the wrong thing, suddenly you're waiting a year for it to turn up. <laughs> Uh, yes, you have ordered it, and we've actioned it, and it will be with you next February. In, yeah. <laughs> because that's when you ordered it, you idiot. God damn it. Can you imagine having Amazon, mm. like, at that point, no. trying to order things from Europe? <laughs> yeah, I just... I mean, you'd hope that the AI is advanced now that it could figure it out, but yeah. yeah. The Act also confirmed that the leap day in any leap year would always fall as February 29th as up until 1662, the extra day had been inserted by having February the 24th twice. Okay. So you'd have, like, Thursday, February the 24th, Friday, Friday, February the 24th, and then you'd carry on. And the switch to adding an extra separate date had not been formalised, so there was nothing that said that you had to keep doing it as the 29th, and they were like, no, 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 we need to make sure we stick with that, because having two of the same day is similarly confusing. (laughs) Because <laughs> which one of the two are you? But it was about? the twenty fourth yesterday. Just for police investigations, for God's sake. Yeah. What were you doing on the twenty fourth? Which one? The one where the person died, and which one was that? It was the twenty fourth. <laughs> you have to go the twenty fourth after the twenty third, or the twenty fourth before the twenty fifth. Yeah. Which again, it's just levels of confusion that we do not need. It is, but I suppose if you didn't know any different. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of these things that we've become ridiculously patriotic about, it's not because the systems or the the ideas are inherently good. It's because it's the fear of the new. Yeah. You saw it with loads of changes. You know, decimalisation, the same thing. We've Mm -hmm. we've seen it all over the shop. Whenever a big change comes, you will get the people who are just scared of. Mm -hmm. And that'll come out with anger towards the new. Yeah. Rather than acknowledging that feeling of... oh, I have a really strong memory of when I was a kid um, and they were doing some like uh, like campaigning and I remember being handed a leaflet by some Tory people and it was about um, keeping the pound and not going to the euro. Mm. I don't know. I was so young. I can't really remember if that was ever a Yeah, there was thing. a consideration. Would we join the European currency because we were a member of the European Union? But um, I remember everyone going up in arms about it. Mm. We'll take our pound, thanks. Yep, and we did. Yep. And we still have it. Yeah. But apparently, if we try to rejoin, we would have to join the euro. I don't know how true that is, but that's definitely something that the sort of pro-Brexit people are now starting to put out there as they see that the the mood shifting. Like, well, we can't do that now, otherwise we'd have to give I don't think we'll be in for a while, at least, if they ever let us back in. Yeah. Yeah. Would be nice, though, wouldn't it? I mean, I would like it. But... Yeah. I'd like to be able to go over there again without, you know, feeling like I've let them down. Yeah. The bill was introduced by the Earl of Chesterfield, who later explained that he was chosen to make the speech introducing the bill because 
Although the Earl of Macclesfield had, <clears throat> and this is a direct quote, infinite knowledge in all the clearness that so intricate a matter could admit of, but as his words, his periods, and his utterance were not near so good as mine, the preference was most unanimously, though most unjustly, given to me. So basically, Chesterfield is the showy guy. Yeah. He can. He used to be foreign secretary. He knows how to give a speech. Mm-hmm. He Whereas, can hold a room. Yeah, yeah, the Earl of Macclesfield actually understands the science behind it, but he, you know, sort of breaks down in public speaking engagements. So they make quite a duo. Then. Yeah, if you think about them as kind of an early version of uh, Wozniak and Jobs from Apple, you know, one's the ideas guy who actually makes the thing work, and the other's the the the, the salesman, the guy yeah. who goes right. We need you to do this, and this is why you're going to love it. Yeah. The Prime Minister at the time, Henry Pelham, he spoke against the bill and tried to get the two earls to drop the idea entirely. But when it came time for the bill to be put to a vote, because it was a private member's bill and because he knew the sort of unwritten rules, he didn't whip against it. So okay. he gave his MPs a free vote. It's like, I, you know I'm against it. But... Here's it anyway. But you get to vote on it, and you vote with your conscience. I'm just going to make an argument against it. In fact, to be fair to him, aside from opposing this specific bill, from what I could read, Henry Pelham seemed to be a pretty decent Prime Minister. Yeah. He managed to keep interest rates down at a reasonable 3%. He organised a fund to reduce the national debt and reduce the amount of licensed liquor dealers to manage the problem of excessive gin consumption. Though, to be fair, that was mainly in and around London at the time. Yeah. So, because everyone could sell gin, everyone could buy gin, and it was pushing the price down and down and down. They used to mix it with, like, paint stripper and stuff, didn't they? Like, hmm. turpentine, all that Because it was so stuff. easy to get a licence. Yeah. It wasn't really being checked, and the quality went down, the price went down. The amount of people going blind and dying went up, and he, he was the one who finally was brave enough to stand up and say, do you know what? I think this is wrong. Yeah, yeah I think think it'd be good if people weren't just dying of gin poisoning. Yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? He reduced land tax from 20% to 10% and passed the unfortunately titled Jew Bill in 1753. Okay. Which sounds questionable, but it actually was designed to allow Jews living in Britain to become naturalised via an application to Parliament. Oh, okay. So it's nice. It's like, do you know what? Here's finally a way for you to be recognised as an English citizen. How nice is that? It's just an unfortunate title yeah. for the... He could have called it something like the, the Jewish Integration Bill or, you know, the Jewish Naturalisation Bill, but it became known as the Jew Bill. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, it was repealed a year later as the mm-hmm. Tories saw it as an abandonment of Christianity and their vocal opposition to the bill being introduced in the first place, led to a massive increase in anti-Semitic uh, attacks. Yeah. So this Whig politician is trying to do something nice and something to sort of it's acknowledge backfires. how important the Jewish communities were all across you know, England at the time and say, do you know what, it's not right that we're, we're keeping you as second-class citizens. Let's bring you in um, and you can become English and you can be part of this melting pot of cultures that we've got. And the Tories went, no. no. First thing you let them in, next thing it'll be, I don't know. And they stoked up a lot of anti-Jewish sentiment. And within a year, they were like, actually... What year are we in at this point? This is 1753 that this happened. His other important 1753 bill that wasn't repealed um, was the Marriage Act, 
which made it illegal for marriage to take place without a formal ceremony, in order to avoid clandestine marriages, so that everyone could be 100% clear who was married to whom. And again, <laughs> seems like quite a sensible thing to have. But, I mean, that does... Yeah, because didn't people used to get married to, like, loads of different people? Bigamy was more difficult to detect. Um, ages were very variable in terms of who could get married. Yeah. Um, you know, and if, if you didn't need to do a formal ceremony, you could really keep it under wraps that you'd married someone who was way too young to be married. Hmm. So all of these things were very good, sensible pieces of legislation that Henry Pelham brought through. Yeah. And by allowing a free vote on the Calendar Act, he was acknowledging that he would need to offer a good argument for sticking with the current system rather than taking the former route of just accusing these people who were proposing it of being religious nut jobs. So he, he was like, by the conviction of my argument, will you vote for the Julian calendar? It turned and... out he was not able to come up with any good arguments because the bill easily passed the Lords and was voted through the Commons on May 13th, 1751. That's a big deal, though, isn't it's a it? a massive deal, yeah. The fact that someone's going, we're going to change how you tell the time forevermore. Yeah, and every, everything mm. from that date forwards. Yeah. Although, weirdly, I, if I would have called it, you know, the Chesterfield calendar mm. or the Macclesfield calendar. I would have tried to slap my name on it. Yeah, definitely. The because they don't, want it called, they don't want it called the Gregorian calendar because that's popish. So, yeah. well, we won't call it that. We'll call it the Macclesfield calendar, eh? What did they call it? Uh, it was just the Gregorian calendar. The, the, oh. the way that they worded it sort of ambiguously, as soon as it was in, everyone was like, yeah, it's the same one that they use. And it's already got uh, a name, if we're honest, doesn't it? Fair. Oh, you tricked us. <laughs> um, it received royal assent on May 22nd, meaning that all that was left to do was to actually implement the change. And England would have finally caught up to the 16th century in terms of recording time. Yeah. So we're almost there. Eventually. Yeah. We get there in the end. Kicking and screaming the entire way. <laughs> I don't want to. It's, it's too much like those foreigners. Don't make me do it. But because we'd taken so long, another totally unnecessary leap year had taken place between the rest of Europe adopting the change and England deciding to do so. So the government would actually have to skip forward an extra 11th day in order to be on the same day as everyone else. So did we lose 11 days? We then? lost 11 days. <laughs> and it was decided that this skip should occur in the September of 1751, okay. with Wednesday the 2nd of September being followed by Thursday the 14th of September. Oh, interesting. Which is, it's given you time to plan. But with nearly four months until the skip was due to take place, there was ample time for the people of England to become increasingly hysterical about what skipping 11 days could do. And the easiest way for me to think of this is like a, Gregor uh, yeah, like a Gregorian, like a Georgian version of the Millennium Bug Scare from oh, 1999. Why 2 k You know, yeah. it started out with some people going, well, there may be a few minor hiccups um, with the computer systems when we, when we switch zero, across. Zero, 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 because yeah. we, we never really planned ahead that much. And it immediately got picked up by the press. It's like, everything will stop. Planes will fall out of the sky. Your money, worthless. It was insane, wasn't it? Like people, <laughs> the I news remember at 10 people... will start at 12.46 yeah. and everyone will lose their minds. I remember people watching, like, computers and television, like, in like thinking it was the end of the world or something. Mm. Well, the Simpsons did that bit where um, all of the toasters and stuff suddenly grew arms and legs <laughs> and became little robots and started beating people up as a 
you know, sort of that's how weird people were getting about it. It's like they will turn on us. What? People we didn't were have AI then. Getting insane about it. I mean it. now. If we had the AI we have now at the millennium, then you could probably really have stoked up some proper conspiracy theories about what was gonna happen. Yeah. I just think with AI you are never gonna believe anything ever again with photos and mm. all that jazz. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's ever gonna affect us. I don't think we're ever gonna get that big. No. Maybe. Who I, knows? I don't know, yeah. Maybe we will need to come up with some kind of AI protection. People might generate our voices. I've heard podcasts do that, yeah, where they've um, they've played audio where someone's fed all of their episodes into an AI and asked the AI to produce an episode, and it still sounds terrible, luckily. Oh, good. You know, the voices sound quite uncanny valley. They're close, but not quite. The inflection's not quite right and natural. Yeah. But in terms of creating the content, it's not... It it's doesn't not work. Yeah. So. Yet. <laughs> Maybe we can do that. Maybe I'll feed all of our episodes into an AI. See what happens. Yeah. I still think you need to do a best of episode. That is so much work, man. So mm. much work. Because I have to go through and actually listen to 149 episodes now. Do it. And pick out clips. Do and then it. I have to physically unclip them. Do you know what? It's a great thing for you to do because you've got access to all the audio files absolutely not ah i see now a myth has sprung up since georgian times that the announcement of the date led to spontaneous riots on the streets of major cities and that people resisted the government's effort to steal 11 days i want that to be true yeah as if the general public were that stupid they were, that they thought they? that they would actually lose over a week of their lives. Like this was, you know, time being taken from them rather than just a change in the way we're recording it. I bet they did, didn't they? They did. They didn't. I'm sorry to say there were oh, no riots. Wow. It's based mainly on a few satirical publications. Yeah, well, oh, they a, loved that in the Georgian times. Oh, yes, they loved satire. But it seems that people reading it after the uh, time period we're taking these satirical publications as fact, which is always a worry. Yeah. It's like watching Have I Got News For You and thinking that was the that equivalent was the of... real news. Yeah, news yeah. at 10. It's, it, some things are going to be, um, you know, exaggerated for comedic yeah. effect there. Yeah. But also there's a picture, a famous picture by Hogarth, which was produced four years after the event, that portrayed a riot. Yeah. And then there was an extract, to be fair, from a letter written by the Earl of Chesterfield himself to his son, which stated, again, this is a direct quote from the letter, Every numerous assembly is a mob. Let the individuals who compose it be what they will. Mere sense is never to be talked to a mob. Their passions, their sentiments, their senses and their seeming interests alone are to be applied to. Understanding, have they collectively none? which some historians have taken to be a direct comment on the reaction to the calendar bill, rather than just a universal truth about getting a big group of people together. So they've just assigned it to something. Yeah, they were like, he, he, not, was, he was opining yeah. on large groups of people not really being able to pick up on subtlety. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there were a few conspiracy theorists out there. Oh, probably. There always are. Yeah. They're doing it for clandestine reasons. We're Why actually do- going to have a war that they're... The, they're then going to say never existed because the time period it happened has never has been wiped out by this. People who are very into these conspiracy theories love to tell you mm. 
about how you're a sheep and you don't know the real truth. Hmm. Well, I'm happy to say I probably don't know the real truth about any, any, not anything, everything. I don't know the real truth about everything. Yeah, but do you want to know? too much to know. Yeah, you can't know everything. Yeah. And also, I mean, truth to a degree is subjective. Because mm. how you see something and record it will be different to how I see something and record it. Yeah. But that's true to you, and that was true to me. And so... even how people interpret a fact mm-hmm. is wildly different. So even when you present two people with the same set of facts, they will react to them in a different way mm-hmm. even if they both accept that those are facts yeah i agree you can never make it work no humans declined yeah bunch of complicated things mm. it would be better if they were all sheep to be fair i'd like to be a goat mm. again you're just being contrary <laughs> fine you can be a goat thanks yeah but what i'm saying is while some historians took that to be um the Earl of Chesterfield kind of agreeing that there'd been these riots. It wasn't It wasn't anything of the sort. It was people reaching for that because it makes a good story. Disappointing. And normally I do go for the best story, but there's no historical evidence to say that any riots ever happened as a result And we've of got to be factual. We've got to try. Yeah. Mm. That being said, we know Evie would definitely have engaged in a riot, seeing as how her birthday falls within the skip days. Oh, 100%. Mm. But the She'd w- be like Boudicca, like right on the front line. <laughs> London will be burned to the ground yeah. a second time yeah, with her in a chariot. <laughs> yeah. But that's not to say that the public didn't have anxieties about it and that some of them were actually valid. Were actually valid, even. Were actually valid. But these were more to do with the... <laughs> <Sorry>. mon- <laughs> having a really terrible time with that pronunciation. I liked it. Mm. But these were more valid. And they were more to do with the mundane impact that skipping forwards over a week would have on things like rent payments and Mm. wages. Yeah. When are Uh, they going to be paid? You know, with reasonable arguments like if a debt suddenly becomes due when you've lost a week and a bit of work that you were going to use to pay the debt, could you Mm. then default considering it wasn't anything to do with your intent to pay? You know, you're like... Well, then that week's thing, I'll have that money and that'll go to pay off this debt. And then suddenly that week doesn't exist, but the the debt's due, which is a yeah. really reasonable concern to have. I think so. Uh, there would also have been people who'd signed legal documents that were due to be executed on dates that no longer existed. While oh, others... So they probably had to do it all again. Yeah. You know, there would be people who were in prison and their release date would now be a date that was going to be skipped over. And they would understandably probably be panicking that this might leave them in legal limbo because, as you know, the legal system doesn't deal in reality. It deals in legality. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry, that date doesn't exist. So, we, you know, I could imagine that someone would be stuck in a prison with yeah, them just forever. arguing. I was supposed to be released then. Well, that date doesn't exist. So you can't be released then. But I've served my sentence. Yes, I, I agree. You've served your sentence. But the release date uh, is, uh, you know, it does, the 10th of September. And that didn't 1751. happen. 1751. So on that day, you can be released. Oh, can you imagine? Did yeah. that happen? I don't know, but I think these were the sort of concerns that people actually had. It can't have happened, surely. No. Uh, hopefully, you know, saner heads prevailed in those kinds of situations and yeah. things would have been worked out on a sort of... Or let's say, like, all... this is what it would have been. Yeah. You know, so let's let's all be reasonable about this. But 
I can understand why people would be anxious about it. Yeah. From the other side, though, there would have been concerns from people who were maybe about to become of age in a majority up to a week in advance. You know, if it was you were suddenly going to become an adult and suddenly you became an adult a week before you were supposed to become an adult because you weren't technically 18 in terms of the amount that you'd lived, but you were 18 in terms of the date. How did yeah. that work? Hmm. Were you able to take your majority? Similarly with voting. Would you be allowed to vote as a 21-year-old despite the fact that you weren't actually 21 in terms of chronological age for another week? Mm, so people's birthdays would have moved, surely. Yeah. So all of these things, what I'm saying is there would have been the potential to cause legal headaches. And I'm sure there were a, a few isolated incidents where it really did ball something up for someone. Yeah. You know, like that person was just the most unlucky and things conspired to really mess up their week. That's interesting, isn't it? But for all the people who had legitimate anxieties, you would, as I think you've alluded to, also have a hardcore group of people who believe that making a change that would make it easier to communicate and trade with our European neighbours was in some way betraying our traditional John Bull British values and that it was better that we maintained our complex and anachronistic system out of a distorted sense of national pride. Yeah. And those would be the people who were preying on the anxious people. Yeah, they'd you know. feed into it. Yeah, you've got yeah. the kind of people who are knowingly trying to undermine something for um, cultural reasons, preying on the anxieties of the people who, who have legitimate concerns that do need to be addressed. Yeah. Back in the realms of sanity, though, the banking industry were legitimately concerned by the potential impact of the change. They were so concerned, in fact at what the loss of 11 days might do to the complex systems of borrowing and repayments that had grown up over the centuries, that in the end they flatly refused to budge, and instead insisted that rather than trying to work out how to adapt all the terms of all the loans, debts, government-issued bonds, etc., that were due to you know, mature or come due or need to be paid during that period, the calendar should just be moved to accommodate them. Okay. You could imagine the banking sector being so sort of... Um, <laughs> pompous and sort of self-important that they'd say yeah. no everything needs to stop needs to revolve around us yeah, yeah. however realizing that it was very dangerous for the government to ignore what the financial sector were telling them in terms of the good of the the british economy because governments have never done that you know flatly ignored um the advice of monetary institutions when maybe i don't know um setting Liz, a new, Liz a new trust budget. here yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about Listrus and Quasi-Quarteng. I'm just mentioning that in 1751, uh, 17, they were smart enough to listen when the bank said, this could cause issues. <laughs> they agreed to accede to the bank's request. What? And accordingly, the start of the new financial year was also moved on 11 days from the old New Year date of March 25th. To April... The 6th. Which is the one that still exists now. Where it remains to this day. Yeah. In case you ever thought that it was a really random date for the tax yeah, year is. to start, yeah. that's how it came about. So it came about from the fact that we, for some reason, had March the 25th as our start of the year. And then when we finally changed over to the Gregorian calendar, the bank said, well, we can't change where that is because it's so important to have that fixed point for all of the things that are going on, that we're just going to have to stick with that now. And even with that, we're going to have to move that on the 11 days as well. So we're going to have to have it as the 6th of April. And it's stayed there ever since. 
Interesting. I know. Yeah, I, I did. I, I did never always knew why it was the sixth, but I always. I always wondered. It was weird. It is weird. So the start of the new financial year is four months into the year. Yeah, and on April a random to April. Date. <clears throat> it's also the same date that my well, all of our annual leave runs mm. from April to April. But with an acceptance that there will be teething issues, and with a Second Amendment Act that came later the next year, um, to pick up on some of those little snafus that people pointed out. So they didn't just leave it and say, no, that's your lot. They did amend the bill later on to pick up on the things that people said were causing a, a problem. Snagging. Yeah, they, they had a snag list, and that came out in another Calendar Act uh, amendment bill. The actual transition, much like the Millennium Bug, passed without incident. All went well. Most and of the two. things... <laughs> the minor inconveniences were sorted out weak tops, you know. Yeah. Everyone's all the prisoners who needed to be released are released, all the people who shouldn't be voting or whatnot, it's all sorted out, it's fine. That was until Christmas rolled around. And many communities decided that they wanted to observe the old Christmas Day. Which now fell on January the sixth. Okay. And they were like, You can't stop us having a feast day on January the sixth. That's when we're gonna do it. That's our Christmas. Because that's December the 25th, really, and you can't force us to not, which was fine, because it it actually, falling on January the 6th, was already 12th night, which is a recognised feast day. Okay. So they just looked out by that extra 11th day that they had to skip, that it fell on 12th night. Okay. (laughs) So it's like, fine, celebrate old Christmas. Still a feast day. Still part (laughs) of the Christmas season. It's, It's perfect, really. Um, so the protest didn't really have a lot of impact, is what I'm saying. Because everyone's like, we're celebrating old Christmas. And like, great. No one yeah. was expecting you to not have a bit of a feast and get a bit drunk. Go for it. You enjoy yourselves. And if you want to call it old Christmas rather than Twelfth Night, good for you. <laughs> and within a few years, the new Christmas Day was pretty much universally accepted. Yeah. Anyway, you know, this was like a couple of years where some people are, no, I'm having my old Christmas. <laughs> But as, yeah, like anything, people forget, don't they, as generations move on. I mean, I was watching a show today and there were some people, it was obviously a rerun of like, I think it was like Antiques Road Trip, one of those antique shows that they have on during the day. And they were having to socially distance through COVID. Yeah. And I was watching, I said, I remember that. Yeah. And it wasn't even that long ago. Yeah. But, you know, that kind of, oh, yeah, Yeah. they'll they'll be doing that because of COVID. Do you remember that thing? How quickly Weird, it? it fades from the mind. It is. I also think, so if there's a new uh, like road layout or there's a new, I don't know, bypass or something built, it's amazing how quick you forget what it was like mm. originally. Yeah. The first couple of days are really unnerving as you always try to turn the way that no longer exists or yeah. it's going to take you. And then, yeah, like the muscle memory kicks in and away yeah. you go. It's exactly. a bit like that. Strangely, there was no similar movement with regards to Easter being changed, which was put down to the fact that very few English people actually knew how the date was worked out to begin with, so they couldn't say if it was right or wrong based on the new or old calendar. So it's okay. like, an Easter, fuck it. We it's don't there. know. Yeah. Just, just pick, a, pick a day. We just do as we, we've always done as we're told with Easter, and yeah. none of us have ever really known, so fine, we're all right yeah, with that. Yeah, it's true. And as with the move to decimalisation over 200 years later the English eased their way into the new system gradually, which helped. They did this through an updated use of the dual dating system, 
where the dates will be annotated as OS and NS for old style, old style. and new style respectively. I was going to say old system or new system, but yeah. So yeah, so, you know, it's like, oh, okay. So you keep checking in with yourself to make sure until eventually all the new things that you were doing have been organised in the new style. Yeah. And the need to put OS and remember that disappears. Moved out of fashion. And so it seemed that the transition that the English had been resisting since 1582 had actually been relatively painless. <laughs> with traders and merchants finally on an even footing with their European counterparts. That was until the son of the Earl of Macclesfield decided to stand as an MP in Oxfordshire in 1954 as a Whig. So the son of the person that tried to, well, got it through, yeah. is now hmm. going... for an MP. Right. The opposition Tory party saw a chance to stoke up some culture wars by linking Macclesfield Jr. to his dad's calendar reform bill and used the slogan, Give us back the 11 days we have been robbed of, which they would shout at him during hustings and similar events. Seems all very mature. Yeah. And while it may have appealed to some of the more simple-minded people in the constituency, it wasn't enough to prevent little Mac from being elected to Parliament. Boom. Mm. So it was the last gasp of trying to make a thing of the calendar change. Because by this time, four years in, everyone saw that the you know the sky hadn't fallen down. It works. And yeah. they were probably actually seeing some benefits from anything that ever involved people from another country. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, oh, yeah. We, we, we were all speaking the same language now. This is great. Yeah. Mm. The older Mac was rewarded for his championing of the new calendar by being made president of the Royal Society. A position... Of calendars. Just the Royal Society. You know the Royal Society. I know Amateur it. scientists all. More money than sense. A position he held until his death in 1764. This allowed him to focus full-time on amateur astronomy and attending lectures on niche scientific interests, which I like to think gave him a final decade of contentment. Yeah. Hmm. Meanwhile... The face of the bill, the Earl of Chesterfield, is now probably best known for giving his name to the Chesterfield sofa. The design I of which... I love those sofas. He commissioned, because he was a man of taste. He was. So he, he commissioned the first sofa in that style, and it was named after him, the Chesterfield. So for anyone who doesn't know what a Chesterfield sofa is, the arms and back are all at the same level in a single sort of sweep, and the fabric, normally leather... Is heavily indented with buttons. Oh, it's so nice. And it is it is known as like a gentleman's style. It is a mm. man's style of furniture, really. It it's is masculine. Delightful. Mm. Normally evokes the smell of c- cigarette smoke. Yeah, tobacco and... Port and... Port and yeah. tings, yeah. yeah. You imagine that there's going to be a butler walking in at any point to yeah. hand you the morning papers on a silver tray mm-hmm. with your morning snifter of brandy or whatever you need to just get the energy to go back your, into the house of snuff. lords yeah. yeah and your snuff box yeah yeah today there are only four <gasps> countries you were damn close who have not adopted the gregorian calendar at least alongside their own calendar so there are okay. some like you say who have uh, their own separate calendar but there's only four who refuse to use the gregorian calendar at all okay these Who are, are they? Yeah. These holdouts are Ethiopia, okay. Nepal, okay. Iran, 
and Afghanistan. Okay. And it would have been a list of five, you know. You would have been bob on. Mm. Only Saudi Arabia adopted the Gregorian calendar in 2016. Oh, so relatively recently. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh, only a few... Oh, God, eight years ago. Damn, time moves. But yeah. yes. So that is the story of how England adopted the calendar. Stubbornly. And made it much more difficult than it had to be. And it, <laughs> I, that I doesn't like sound it. like us at all. Oh, it is the most British story when you think about it. Well, no, sorry, because the Scots, you know, they, they at least had New Year in the right place. And yeah. I, I assume the only reason that they weren't using the Gregorian calendar is because of that damn sort of... Uh, pulling together of the two countries that happened in 1707, you know, the Act of Union. Yes. And they probably spent the next 50 years going, why the fuck are we still using this stupid thing? You know, know. it's wrong. You know I it's know. wrong, right? It's been proven to be wrong. <laughs> why are we doing this? We all need to fall into line, please. Yeah. So what I thought initially might have been a dry subject, quite a good one. V- interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't. I've I've, le- I've definitely learned uh, about the tax year, the financial year. Didn't know about that. That's the kind of fact that you can drop in on people. You know, do you know why? That's Sixth a pub of quiz. April, yeah. I'm going to tell everyone tomorrow. I'm sure. I and will. I think, if nothing else, that's what you've got out of yeah this hour or so of me talking at you. If that's the one fact you keep, it's something that you can you can dine out on for years because you'll mm. always meet someone new. And they'll be complaining about the tax things. You go, do, do you know why the tax year starts on the 6th of April? Yeah. Sit down, I'll spin you a quick yarn. <laughs> it's all to do with the Earls of Macclesfield and Chester. Who has the Chesterfield so far? I also do like quite how, you know, how close Macclesfield and Chester are geographically as well. And the fact that it was those two Earls who got together. Yeah, but sometimes you can be an Earl of that place, but actually not live in that place. Mm. Or be have anything to do with that area at all well granted it was just it was fun to me that at least in in terms of the naming yeah those two place places are geographically what would you be lord well i wouldn't would i Earl. I, I don't get involved in the not that i'm ever oh, going to no. be asked but i wouldn't accept an honor i'm you know i believe in a republic would be better for us at the moment mm. what about if someone gave it to you and said what no takesy backsies. Yeah. You uh, have to have it. I have to have it. Um, it would be nice if I was made the Earl of Douglas, just because my middle name's Douglas, and yeah. I wouldn't have to think too much about it. That would make sense, mm-hmm. yeah. And that can be Douglas in Scotland, or it can be Douglas across in the Isle of Man. I'm not fussed. Yeah, maybe both. Yeah, I can, I can job share. That'd be yeah. fine. So, again, it was sent to us by Pam. Thank you, Pam. She will be near you in April. Welcome. Mm. So, I, d- I don't know, if there's if there's anything that you think I should pass on, I'm more than happy to pass on your recommendations. Bring a jacket. <laughs> Bring a jacket. Rain jacket. <laughs> Pamela's been to Scotland before, don't worry. I don't think she needs that advice. <laughs> Everyone needs that advice. I saw someone walking around in shorts when it was like minus five. Mm. Was it a young, younger male? Yeah, it's always Mid-20s. a male. It's always a male, yeah. Weirdly always. stringy legs, but a very stacked upper body. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. Mm. Don't know why. No, don't know I why. don't. 
Maybe it's because the you know the sheer weight of the muscles on the top causes them to <laughs> making overheat. them yeah making them hot. And they need they need to expel that heat or you know suffer heat stroke. We don't know. It's not right. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe that is sort of a health need that they have. Because maybe of... all people dip into ice baths and stuff, mm. don't they? Maybe it's the equivalent of doing that. Yeah, you can either do it as a short shop shock in an ice bath, or you can go for a nice twenty-minute walk in shorts. Yeah, absolutely not. If anything, I, I guess that's more civilized. Hi there, it's Emma, chief organizer at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.